This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world, both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to a boxing champ, and sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. I'm Farbad Esnashari from Sports Illustrated. Do you not want to say you're the other host? Nope. I'm just a dude. Okay. You're just a dude being a dude. Well, this podcast for the dudes involved and the dudettes out there and everyone else, this podcast is being brought to you by uh, Indeed, Bet Online, and Blue Wire. Um, so, Farbod, we got through it, buddy. The Clippers have not hired a new coach yet, so we actually get to talk about something different today. Don't you feel great about that? Nah, because every day is just like, I just want the new season to start. Well, according to reports, I guess it's not going to start to like probably MLK Day in, in January. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I don't think it's going to start till 2021. Yeah, that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, because let's be realistic. If they said it was going to be Christmas, the NBA has already said they have to notify the league, the the 30 teams, eight weeks prior to the season starting what the start date is. Now, theoretically, they could get to October 25th and then the league could be like, well, we're starting December 25th and that'll be that. But you cannot give players what will effectively be a month off and then they have to start training camp. Like you're not doing that after they just came out of the bubble, especially when there's so much uncertainty with COVID and fans possibly being in or not being in arenas. We're not getting a season until mid-January at the earliest. So, I mean... I'm interested to see what ends up transpiring. I just, I don't know. I'm I, I'm a little worried that like next season is just going to be tough because it's you just don't even if they start it, it I just don't see how it's going to work without a bubble. I feel like guys are just going to randomly get sick and it's just going to kind of suck. Yeah, we're going to see what kind of probably happened or what happened with the Tennessee Titans where they had to miss like two weeks because. Guys were testing positive 
And so they had to play a game on a Tuesday night because sure. Yeah, that's that's going to be the telling thing where, I mean, you don't want to go in the bubble again just because like, I don't want to say the results were wonky because the Lakers were the best team, but the bu- the bubble was just wonky from a lot of standpoints of like, there were a lot of guys who just performed well in arenas that just did not perform well in bubble situations. Like, not to be that guy, and this could be a spicy take, but like, personally, I don't see the Miami Heat getting to the finals in a non-bubble situation. Like, if the season had just resumed from March onward, I feel like Milwaukee was going to go to the finals. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point where I don't know what would have happened if there wasn't a bubble. I don't know what would have happened if there was no COVID. No one does. At the end of the day, the Lakers won the title. They were the best team in Orlando. I think that could have still happened, right? I, oh, ab- yes, absolutely. That, yes. But on the East, I just don't think that situation – I don't think the East would have played out the same way outside of – in a. But it's but what I mean, though, is that like you're damned if you do and damned if you don't in this situation because if they resume play and we're not COVID-free, guys are just going to randomly get sick and everything's just going to be a sh- like a shit show, for lack of a better word. And like some guys might be missing some games and then it's going to be asterisk ish from the standpoint of like, you're just going to not have people play because they get sick or you're going to cancel games. And then if you go back to the bubble situation, you're going to have guys like PG or Danny green, just like habitually go cold because they start getting too in their own head in this isolated situation. And they weren't the only ones. And actually we were, so, so people know what the format was going to be today. We were going to discuss, discuss Paul George's season first and then go to a, uh, a topic in the later half. However, considering how this started, we're going to flip this. You brought up Paul George and Danny Green, the mental aspect. You had a tweet yesterday, and I don't know if you remember what the tweet was, but you talked about the mental aspect of things. Do you remember what you tweeted? Yeah, but that was a, a different thing. <laughs> No, you're talking about life, and I understand that. But that's, also what I'm, but that's also what I'm talking about. Like, when you get to the bubble, we knew this was going to happen. I talked about this before the bubble. I even referenced I once spent 10 weeks in a hotel, so I understand what's going to end up happening. And it happened. These guys, like, it, it's mentally exhausting. And, and you talked about uh, a mental rough patch because of work and COVID, and you're not alone. I've been there. So people understand Farbot and I usually talk off the air before podcasts for like 30 minutes, right? Like you would say? Uh, like, well, when you add the before and after, I think it becomes 30. I think yeah, it's 30 like to 45. In the beginning or like maybe 10 and then 20 or 15 and 15. Yeah. So we talk like 30 to 45 minutes before and after combined. We didn't do that today. Uh, We just went straight on. I said, are you ready? He said, yep. And that's what we're doing. And the reason is because I want to have a very real conversation. Mental health is real. And I think a lot of people, while they acknowledged it before the bubble, even as just in regular life, not just sports. But when you see see guys like Paul George talk about it, in the bubble and you see Danny green talk about it and you see other people talk about it. Life really like sports really do imitate life to some degree. 
because of the mental aspect of things, like we're all humans and we all go through things differently or react to things differently. And I think we should talk about the mental aspect of life in the COVID world in which nothing is normal. Everything is weird and wonky and we're all trying to adjust and live and it's not easy. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, I think it's different for each person. Right. Um, but I think for them, it was different from in the beginning. It was different because they couldn't see their families and stuff and they had no escape. I think that's what the biggest issue was. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think the issue was in the beginning, they didn't have their family, but even after the families came, like it it almost became, but it became, it became a negative feedback loop where like a guy like Danny green would do bad and he'd miss a shot and then everybody's talking smack on him and he's got no club to go to no like no home he doesn't have a home it's a room not even the home no it's it's more like he can't go to a club he can't take his he can't see a bunch of people who like don't know who he is he can't see non-basketball players like he's just surrounded by basketball players who will always remind him of basketball there's just no escape after you do bad. And so then you're only, and then, and then you're just like, I'm just going to go in my room, I guess, and go on Twitter. Cause like, I don't want to say home. Cause it's like, look at LeBron's room that he had in there. Like that thing was like, I think that's bigger than my house. <laughs> like it's still pretty substantial. He's not locked in quarantine. Like what people do when they go to another country and they got to stay in a room for 14 days. It's more so from the standpoint of just, there's no escape of basketball and no like, like if, if you go cold or if I, you know, when, when a Clipper game, it goes awful, right? Like the last thing I want to see is basketball that day. I just want to get away from it. And the issue they have is they only see basketball the whole time. And then once their family came, at least they could get their mind off of their family. But when their family isn't there, their escape aside from their own teammates, which is still going to make them think about basketball is they'd have to go on their phone or play video games. If you go on your phone, you're going to end up going on social media and then see everybody talking smack on you. So it was just like this negative inescapable feedback loop. It's a, it's a loop. Yeah. It's, it's a loop that never ended. Um, and by the way, too many people gave crap to Danny green for missing the game winning three in game five. Like guys miss shots all the time. Honestly, I thought more, I mean, it sucks that he missed it. Like, granted, you 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 expect him to make it, and that's why he's getting paid the money he's making. But probably should have given more blame to Morris after that for throwing the ball away to nobody after a like you know what I mean. Like that was I thought that was more egregious. It was a weird thing where in that situation I didn't blame anybody because once the shot was missed. And yeah, he missed an open shot. Like I get it. Like I like you expect him to make it. I, I also don't expect players to make a hundred percent of their shots. But but the the thing that snowballed from that was like, well, now the sh- the clock's running low at the end of the game, and everything gets wonky. Like you start you you speed yourself up, and you don't make decisions you normally would make. So it led to that uh, pass out of bounds. Like I just kind of like I, I do want to say this. Uh, it was a much earned championship for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, 
from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, which basically did span exactly 365 days almost. I think it was 356 to be like spot on. So I have um, a certain thing about that. Well, hold on, hold on. Okay. I do I do want to say congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they earned the title. No one can ever take that away from them. And I'm being completely honest here. That is not an asterisk championship. I wouldn't, I would have also said it wasn't an asterisk championship at the Miami Heat one, because that is a very tough situation to win a title, no matter what anyone says. They won the title, they're the champions. That's the end of the story at the end of the day. Go ahead. Yeah. The the only thing I will say is yeah, they handled business and they clearly proved they weren't messing like the whole year. They clearly proved they weren't messing around because like I can't remember any or it, like maybe one game where like they blew a lead. I don't remember them ever blowing like a 20 point lead. There's a reason why they were undefeated when they're up in the third quarter all year. Right. They were 57 and 0 after when leading after three quarters this year, I believe. And which they I believe they be- like lost three games when up in the third quarter in the yeah. playoffs. So well, I mean, one team handled business, the other team didn't. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And the Lakers won the title. The only thing I will say is that and there's you know an article in NBC Sports about this calculating the postseason strength of schedule score for title teams since 1984 it's it is literally like the easiest postseason strength of schedule score in the not, that's not their fault though i'm just going to say that no, no, that's it's, not- not their fault. it's not their fault it's not their fault it's like not their fault at all i'm just gonna say like you handled the business that you were supposed to handle but it is what it is like that is literally one of the easiest runs in a postseason in history, right? It is what it is. And that was before Drogic got hurt and Bam got hurt. So like Laker fans like to, you know, get on Kawhi's Toronto run saying Toronto, like his is kind of phony because he had to face the Golden State Warriors without Steph, I mean, without Clay or KD. And it's like, even that run, isn't even in the top 20 of the easiest postseason runs in history. The easiest postseason schedules in history, 2020 Lakers, and that's before the injuries to the Heat, 1987 Lakers, 1984 Boston, and 2015 Warriors. And then it's the 91 Bulls, and then the 98 or 88 Lakers. So uh, what's funny, when you look at it, two of them were in the 80s, so like it's just the 80s, but... In the top four is the 2020 Lakers and the 2015 Warriors. Both of those years were the years that the Clippers choked against their potential conference finals opponent and let a team with a negative net rating get into the conference finals. And only two teams have had negative net ratings in like the last 20 years to get in the Western Conference Finals, Houston Rockets and Denver Nuggets. So... (laughs) What it leads to is the reason why the Lakers had such an easy path and why the Warriors had such an easy path that year is because of the Clippers. To some degree, but it's not even just the Clippers. Like, teams in the East also fumbled the bag, so to speak. I mean, look, I'm not going to hate on the Lakers. Like, one of the one of the things... Also, also, just to cut you off, it is kind of interesting to think about in that 2015 year when the Clippers choked against the Rockets and... 
you know, the Warriors just smack the Rockets. It's the same year the Cavs just somehow end up missing two of their top stars. It's like almost a repeat of 2015, identical, where the team that got to the finals ended up missing two of their top stars to get into the finals. Like very, very, very similar. What I do want to say, though, is like that's also the benefit of being the one seed. Like you get an easier road and credit to the Lakers. They took advantage of it. Um, Miami had their chances, even, you know, with Drogic injured and Bam injured a, a little bit and or uh, he missed games. So, I mean, it wasn't like he was injured a little bit. He, he missed games. I mean, he missed three games. Yeah, I mean, like, look. And he didn't look that great when he came back. I, I'm not taking anything away from the Lakers. You there, like playoff Trez. Oh, relax. Okay, okay, <laughs> relax. Look, credit to the Lakers. They won. Full stop. That's where I'm at. Full stop. They won the title. That's it. Um, but I do think the mental health thing is a big deal that we should talk about. Like, life is not easy. It's very hard. It's harder for some more than others. And I just want to tell people, even if you're having a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, even a bad hour, you're not alone, even though you might think you are. And I know it's very scary to ask people for help or to listen, but you are not alone. Um, there are a lot of people out there who do want to listen and who do care what you think and feel and have to say. So if you ever feel like you are alone, you are not. And to reach out and to ask someone for a shoulder to lean on, cry on, whatever you need. Um, it's a difficult situation we're in this year, uh, driven primarily by the pandemic. I just think people need to know they're not alone. And if there's anything I can do personally to help someone I will do if they ask um, we all need somebody and I just want people to know that even when things look bleak sunshine is around the corner and sometimes you have to squint to see it but you know mental health is real and I think people need to prioritize it and sometimes take a step back and uh, weigh it into their into their thinking or else you will burn yourself out and it's not going to be fun. So I just want people to know you are not alone. If you ever need anything, reach out and we got you. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it 
fast. Try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We did come here to talk about Paul George. Before it's one of, we talk about PG. Already just, you're cutting me off. I just want to say I, I just looked at who had the hardest postseason run. Please stop. I just interesting. It's just interesting. Who was it? I'm afraid. Number one is the 2020 Heat had the hardest postseason schedule in history. That makes sense. Two is the 95 Rockets, which makes sense. Yeah, because they won the title that year. Three is the 2016 Cavs, which makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Four is the 97 Bulls. Five is the 01 Lakers. And then six is the 2019 Raptors. Have you ever looked by any chance at the uh, that Rockets team that won in 95? Have you ever looked to see like the teams that they played to win the title? Didn't they beat the Jazz and the Spurs or something? Yeah, so I actually tweeted about this. I want to say before the finals. In the first round, the Houston Rockets, who were the defending champions, they were the defending champions, but they go in into the postseason that year. They go in as the sixth seed. Um, they play the three seed, which was the 60 and 22 Utah Jazz. They beat them in five. In the second round, they play the 59 and 23 Phoenix Suns, beat them in seven. In the conference finals, they played the 62 and 20 San Antonio Spurs and beat them in six. And in the finals, they played the 57 and 25 Orlando Magic and beat them. Um, they literally played the three, actually, excuse me, the four best records in the NBA, or at least four of the top five. Uh, Seattle and Orlando were tied for fourth in the NBA, but basically, they played the four toughest teams they could play and beat them. That's insane. It's. Uh... It's kind of crazy when you put it into perspective that the um, Heat and the Rockets were the top two and like the 2016 Cavs went against the 73 and nine team. And that's not number one. <laughs> like they, those two teams have been really like when you look at who the Heat beat, like Jesus, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, anyway, Paul George, Paul we need to talk about Paul George. So for the season, Paul George played 48 games. He averaged 29.6 minutes per game. 
Uh, 21 and a half points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 3.9 assists, 1.4 steals, shot 44% from the field, but uh, was uh, 41.2% from three, excuse me, 87.6% from the line. That comes out to a 58.9 true shooting percentage, which believe it or not, Farber, is actually a career high for him. I'm going to let you keep going. Okay, I figured. I just want to see when you wanted to, uh, wanted to chime in here at any, any moment. Um, in the postseason, which I'm sure is going to be a point of contention, Paul George averaged 36.8 minutes per game, 20.2 points, 6.1 rebounds, 3.8 assists, one and a half steals, uh, 40% from the field, 33% from three. However, his numbers in the postseason looked a lot better in the second round than they did in the first round. The first round, he didn't, he had like one or maybe two great games, and then he, he had like that stretch run where he was not great. But in the second round, Paul George averaged 21.7 points on 43.5% shooting, 38% from three. It ended up coming out to a 58.7 true shooting percentage, which was basically in line with his uh, career numbers, or not career numbers, uh, season, regular season numbers, excuse me. I'm trying to talk like a mile a minute here, and I don't know why. So let's start off with this. What was your Paul George high point for the season? Like the whole season? The whole season. Shoot. Maybe like, let me look through the regular season. You really need to look through? Come on. There should be a game. Like with Kawhi, we had a game, like the Miami game or one of the Laker games in the regular season. Um, I mean, in the beginning of the season, he looked really, uh, maybe the Knicks game, maybe when, I mean, you want to say the Knicks game, but I was also like, you shouldn't have lost to the Knicks, but the Knicks game was the only time I think I felt like, oh, he's got us. Like Kawhi's out. He's got us. So I have a couple of them and I'll just rattle them off real quick. Uh, the Atlanta game was insane. Yeah, but okay. So I don't, don't, I don't really good, but he was just kind of hot and he was just chucking, like he was just shooting it and still, it was just going in. Still, 37 points in 20 minutes is absurd. I don't care who you are. It was, um, it, just, it felt like when D'Angelo Russell would get hot and it was just like, oh, I guess he's just making it today. But like so, the Knicks game really felt like a crunch time, like not up by 40 situation. The other game that comes to mind is actually a game in Indiana. The second night of a back-to-back, so Kawhi's not playing. They go into Indiana. Paul George drops 36 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. I understand he was 10 of 26 from the field, but he was 7 of 16 from 3, got to the line, and he was the, by far their best player, and he carried them to a win against a team that ultimately did finish 4th in the East. Let's not forget that. Injuries or not, they finished 4th. The other game that does come to mind... And I understand you're going to probably not buy into this all that much. It's going to end up being Clippers Nuggets game three, where he was the best player on that floor and put up 32 points, four rebounds, four assists, two steals on 12 of 18 shooting and led them to a win. Why would I not buy into that one? I don't know. I, I, so, all right, let's let's talk about it. You have a lot of Paul George animosity. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about it? I'll let you have the floor. You can go right ahead. Well, I mean, I think regular season is the regular season. Uh, he had a lot of disappointing stretches in the regular season, in my opinion. Like the month of February, 
he averaged 16 points a game, right? Like, there's a lot of just like, come on, man. You know, like, it's hard to, from the standpoint of, here's the thing. Here's here's how I'm looking at it. The playoff. Real, real, real quick, real quick. He did only average 16 points per game in February, but I do think his minutes per game played a part in some of these regular season numbers. He only averaged like 25, 26 minutes per game in February. Yeah, but then when he played more, he didn't do well in any of those games. Phoenix Suns, 28 minutes, 4 for 13. Philadelphia 76ers, 35 minutes, 3 for 15. Minnesota Timberwolves, 26 that, minutes, 8 for 20. Is that the Philadelphia game where like everybody struggled? Um, it was the one that they lost. Like, I mean, there's one with the Shake Milton one where they won and then the one where they lost. Oh, yeah, the one that they lost, Kawhi went for like 30 and looked good, but like no one else looked like remotely great. I think Landry was the only other one who actually looked good, but I'm sorry. So I interrupted you. I, just go ahead. So I was never like, he never looked like an all-star all regular season to me. Um, and then once the playoffs hit, I thought maybe he would turn it on. But like the first round, he was atrocious, in my opinion. Just 18 points a game. 27% from three and 34% from the field. Like, good God, right? They get through it despite it. Second round, he's a lot better. 21 points per game, 43% from the field, 39% from three. And that's nice and all, but like, you're supposed to be a superstar. You're not supposed to be an all-star. You, I went to the grocery store and he's on the cover of a Gatorade bottle. Like, you're supposed to be that good. You finish third in MVP voting. You're on the cover of stuff, right? You're not, you're not like a fringe all star. You're not like I don't know. Say you're not like Drew Holiday, right? Who sometimes can make an all star game. You're not like Joakim Noah, who's made an all star game a couple times. Like you're supposed to be a perennial all star superstar, third in MVP on a Gatorade bottle. When your guys are kind of down, you're supposed to step up, right? The play, the playoffs are your time to play above your average. The dude couldn't even play to his average. Like that's such a colossal disappointment to not even play to your average when you're supposed to be the guy they traded seven. I don't know, was it like seven first round picks for? You're the kind guy. Kind of. They, it was like four, but yeah. You're the, you're the guy they traded everything for. The whole future. You're the guy that Kawhi was like. We need. He had so much faith in you that this is what your job is, and you can't play even to your average. And you look at Anthony Davis. And he's playing way above his average on everything, right? There were so many games where, like, I think against the Nuggets series, Braun went two points in the second halves combined of games one and two, and yet the Lakers were up 2-0 because Anthony Davis just kept taking over at the end of the game and kept dueling Jokic and winning. Like, PG never had that in the playoffs except for game three, in my opinion. Game three was the only game against the Nuggets where I was like, Damn, he's like he's got Kawhi's back. They like, and that was the game where he said it too, and it finally felt like okay, this dude is gonna come up, and in, in, in this series because they're gonna pay a lot more attention to Kawhi than him. And then even after that, like, he didn't do that great for the rest of the series. Like after game three, forty percent, forty four percent, forty two percent, twenty five percent. To be fair, in that game six, he put up 33. He did, but if you 
look at his first half and second half numbers, like it was his second half. You could half. say the same thing for Kawhi in that in that stretch too. I could, but Kawhi had like maybe Kawhi carried them the whole regular season, right? Carries them the whole regular season, carries them the whole Dallas series, has maybe like two bad games in 13 playoff games, game seven and like game two against the Denver Nuggets. Literally like two bad games. And they both like, had it at the same time, which was And it's so killer. like that's okay, if this guy's had two bad games, like what are you doing? You've had like you I mean you had, I don't know, nine bad games, six, eight bad games. Like you're supposed to be a superstar. A superstar can't have that many bad games, man. You gotta be like it's okay to have two or three bad games, right? But that's way too many. Way, way, way too many. And if you are going to have those bad games, do it on a game like game four. I think that's the one, right? Game four, when he goes four for 10 and has 10 points, but they win anyway, right? To be fair, though, you're asking him to pick one to have bad games. Guys can't do that. No, but it's like, start playing smarter. Stop shooting. Like, because his game, in my opinion, is overly fancy. He doesn't, he likes to do behind the back. He just makes it's like him and Kawhi have like the complete opposite game sometimes where it's like he is the super fancy guy in terms of his play style and Kawhi is pretty simple a lot of times. So let me ask you, um, because I feel a certain way about this. Um, Do you think his season regular season wise and even maybe somewhat postseason just because of the bubble and all that stuff was hampered? by how late he got into the groove in terms of like actually playing and then the constant stop and start uh, with his injuries. Cause he had like the hamstring stuff. So do you think that hampered him? Cause I do, I think it hampered him. I mean, possibly, but like, I don't want to make that many excuses when the I guy already seems to have like every excuse ready from, this wasn't a championship or bus season, but then he said it was a championship or bus season like four months before. See, I don't think it's an excuse to say that injuries and the stop and start for him injury wise affected his consistency in the regular season. I think that's a fact. Like we can look at that and say, I mean, well, but we then can literally- at the same time, like look at Jamal Murray, like he didn't even join the bubble and t- like he didn't join the bubble in time and just kind of came in and Look what he did, right? Like PG had the whole bubble in there. No, I, no I understand. Murray did. I understand, but I and do the thing think was he looked good in the bubble in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, he even looked good for several games in the post. I, I, what I'm trying to say, and, and in fact, in the second round, I think he was their best player. I know people are gonna think I'm crazy. I, I, I watched the film every game like four times. Everything I saw, offense, defense, he was their best player, especially defensively. He was by far their best player. Um, I think there is something to the fact that he got hampered by the constant stop and start with injuries. And if you end up looking at it from when he returned in late January to the stoppage in March, 16 games, Everyone pointed to, well, he's only averaging 17 points a game in that stretch, but no one looked that he was playing 26 minutes a game. Like they, they really toned his minutes back primarily because of the injuries. And so what I'm wondering is with a new season, 
with a better idea of time of when the season's going to start and him actually being, as far as we know, healthy right now. Like there's been no talk of his shoulders, nothing. I'm really curious to see how he plays next year. Because let's be honest here. He only played 29 and a half minutes per game last season. And this is a guy who comes close to averaging 37, 36 minutes a year or per game a year and has been a healthy guy. Like we look at it, like look at his four years prior to the Clippers, 81 games, 75, 79, 77, then 48 because of he had the shoulder surgery in the off season. And then he's the constant stop and start with, with the hamstring stuff. He got, he hurt the same hamstring like three times this, this season. So I'm wondering the guy that we see at the start of next regular season, whenever that is. And like we said, it's looking like mid January, I think is going to be closer to the guy we saw in Oklahoma city when he finished third in MVP and defensive player of the year, because I'm very optimistic with what I saw out of him in the postseason defensively. He really turned it on. And when he was asked to guard Jamal Murray, he did it better than anyone else on the team by a wide margin and had Jamal Murray in jail for a large portion of that series. You do bring up a good point though. Offensively for him, I do think he is pretty jumper heavy at times. So I would like to see him go to the rim more. However, that's also his game, and it's very hard to change guys when you know they're going. He's 30 years old now. But I think Paul George has a game that ages very well. So I'm not worried about it from that point of view. I think next season for him is going to be a lot better than this season was. Even when just looking at regular season, I think his minutes are going to go way up. It obviously depends on the whoever the new coaches and the system he's put in. But I am optimistic with him that he is going to get back to a level that we're going to finally look at and be like, yeah, yeah, that trade makes a lot of sense. And we're going to finally just look at it. And and that's what we're going to think. And we're going to feel a lot better about it. I don't know, man. It just felt like all season we were like, Oh man, the Clippers are 13 and one when they're fully healthy. Like they look unstoppable when they're fully healthy. And they were fully healthy in the playoffs against the Nuggets, and it just didn't seem to matter. Although at the same time, Trez was never himself at all. The whole Lou, Lou was never himself. Pat wasn't himself. Well, he was injured. Trez is, has more of an excuse than Lou. At least Trez literally his a playoff game was his first game. Yeah, I, that's. I want to be honest, and I know I've said this many times. As much as I've ripped into Trez. He got the shaft when when it pertained to when he had to start playing. Because you asked that guy to come in game one of a postseason series and be ready when he hadn't played in like six months. That's tough. So I guess the question, though, what ranking grade (laughs) would you give PG regular season and postseason? Combined? No, just separately. B plus on both ratings. So I'm going to give him a B in the regular season. I can't wait to hear this postseason rating. Maybe like a C. I feel like he wanted to go lower. No, because like defensively he did a pretty decent job against the Denver Nuggets and that's what kept him alive. I think 
rating wise, but it's just from the standpoint of how poor he performed in the postseason overall, like especially with that Nugget series, like you like if the he is the only reason why Lou and Trez aren't getting more slander because he played so poorly himself throughout the postseason that everyone's overlooking how poorly Lou and Trez performed, in my opinion. We've talked about his defense. So according to NBA Advanced Stance player tracking, which can be wonky at times, Paul George held Jamal Murray to 9 of 27, which is 33% shooting. Uh, in seven games, Jamal Murray scored 28 points on 27 shots. That's insane. It's also insane that Jamal Murray only had like two good games against the Clippers in seven. And they won the series. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Ugh. It's like he well, had two good games and Kawhi had two bad games. Well, that and like Gary Harris was hitting threes and then couldn't hit threes. The whatever we're we're over that. Um, that was always yeah. But anyway, I think. Personally speaking, I would consider PG's first year a bit of a disappointment. I'm fine with people who think it was a disappointment. I'm fine with people who think the year overall for the team was a disappointment. I'm also more of a big picture guy, um, which is funny because I'm not like a I'm not naturally an optimist, but I'm very optimistic with Paul George for next season. Very optimistic. I think he's going to come back next season and I don't know what he's going to end up doing numbers wise, but I think we're going to look at him and be like, this is the guy that we thought we were getting and he's here. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. He is guy. Um, Who do you want to do next on this sequence of uh, the retrospectives? Who's who's the third guy that we should do? Did we do Kawhi? We did Kawhi, yes, like two weeks ago. What grade did I give him? I don't remember. I think I gave him like an A minus. I oh, think I he had like A minus as well. Uh, yeah, you had an A minus as well because you were like, we like never agree. And then we had like the same grade. Um, who do you want to do next? I feel like we need to do Lou. Lou mm. or Trez. It's got to be Lou or Trez. Yeah, okay. Or Pat. We could do Pat. Uh, let's do Lou. Let's do Lou. Okay. Um, this has been an interesting season. This has been a long season. 12 months, man. This season is literally like a Clipper fan's worst nightmare. That, to some degree. But I mean, oh, I'm also no, like, not whatever. even to some degree. Like, <laughs> a team won the championship and chanted F the Clippers in mass droves in the streets. Like, this is. Eh. A Clipper, I mean, Jovan wrote an article about it today, which I agreed with it. It, it is literally a nightmare fuel season. I wish people wouldn't have gone out in droves in a pandemic is my only thing. Well, you're not going to stop that. I'm not going to. That's one of the reasons I'm rooting against the Dodgers. Ooh. We don't need part two because it ain't going to get better. Well, fortunately for you, the Dodgers became the Clippers. <laughs> uh, for now, I mean, they're down two nothing to the Braves. It could be three nothing tomorrow. We shall see. Also, happy birthday, Tomer. Tomer is early. Yes, Tomer is early. He turned, I don't know, like twenty two today. I think he turned twenty six. We're just throwing ages. Twenty two, twenty five, or twenty six, because he's like three years younger than I am. I think. Ah, you're so old. Am I though? 
No, because I'm older. Yeah. You're basically on life support while recording this podcast. Yeah, if I catch COVID, I'm dead. I thought you were already dead. I die a little bit more every day. Good people of this fair city, wherever you reside and hear my voice, I hope you're having a good day. I'm sorry you had to listen to Farbod. It's just the reality of the business at this point. And on a serious note, take care of yourselves. We will be back with an episode in a few days or maybe even sooner, depending on when the Clippers decide to be done with their coaching search, which could go on for the rest of time since we don't know when the season will start. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Farbod, do you have anything for the good people? Yeah, tweet at us your grade of Paul George. I want to know what you guys think. Ooh, that's a good one. Yes, and then tweet we'll at me so Laker fans will stop. Well, you also incite them, dog. I haven't. They're literally just finding stuff from like seven months ago, and like it's the nature of the biz, bro. Is it though? It's just like get a life. <laughs> you know what I do? Just mute them or mute the conversation for the tweet. Anyway, tweet at me what you think about Paul George, postseason and regular season. I don't know if they're going to like your answers, though. My No, I, you mean you don't know if I'm going to like their answers? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're going to like their answers. I or think, vice versa. They might not I think like, they're going to agree with me. Might, they might not like your answers from the show and tweet at you about how wrong you are. I disagree. See, we're always disagreeing. People, they are going to agree with me. Do you want to leave the good people with a movie quote at all? Yeah, no, I'm going to leave them. <laughs> with my favorite quote of all time from a former clipper can you guess what it is i have no idea there's there's so many quotes that i could think of violence isn't the answer but sometimes it is (laughs) thank you matt barnes (laughs) all right folks we'll see you later Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.